The Koi Gig Pod. There's no way Arsenal would let her go. It's all kind of mind games going on, which is a lot of fun. Picked up more attention than any other actual transfer. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head at performances, which just lacked that intensity. Yeah, I knew there was something else we're not going to get uh, time to do properly this morning. Shifty Lad says the Dublin Racing Festival was a huge success according to all the podcasts from England yesterday. Credit to everyone involved. Record numbers, uh, numbers that they haven't seen in 20 years, record bookmakers turnovers and uh, Honeysuckle turned over but now potentially going for the Mayor's Hurdle at Cheltenham and so maybe a swan song uh, at Cheltenham with another success but what an incredible story that's been I don't know with, um, where would you put Honeysuckle like you, 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 put, you can't put a horse that's given so much joy in the red I think it would have been Amber but she doesn't make the cut today so yeah I saw the argument on, on, the, on the TV kind of after the race of the weekend when Stateman did the job wondering you know do you take do you put Honeysuckle into the Mayor's Hurdle or do you just let her go off into the into the sunset oh, well, because you could win you could win the Mare's Hurdle and then it's out in a bang but then if, if she goes to the Mare's Hurdle and doesn't win it doesn't really matter though well, at this stage yeah. the career is so great already like and there's no there's no questions of health or anything um, I mean I, like we, we've been talking about her for the last number of years I think the plan was always to run this year and then they'll try and put her in foal and away you go yeah and I was concerned in the, concerned in the champion hurdle when you see her tail off a little bit and state man pulls, up, pulls ahead that, that, of that chasing pack she was going to kind of move towards the back but no held on for second which was which an, impre- an impressive showing because it was actually a, a decent race it's been confirmed this morning she's staying in training for the uh, according to Richard Redballs um, she's staying in training for the mayor's confirmed this morning and, um, uh, and we're being threatened by one of our own here Bobby Dwyer says if Spurs and Kane aren't in the green and switching to second captains it's not in the green I mean we, we knew it's like he's, he's not getting special medals for delivering the post today Yeah. well come back to me when he's broken like the the actual uh, Greaves record of goals in the top flight, well, which is 140 more to go. But famously, football <laughs> didn't exist before 1992. Of so, I'd, yeah, I think we have to, you know. Kane's bringing medals to North London. He's like, he's now. For Arsenal. He's cracked the top 30 of uh, top flight goal scorers. Right, wow. But is he third in the Premier League? Is that it now? Yeah, yeah for yeah. Sheeran Rooney. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Is he the greatest product of the Arsenal youth system? I saw someone quite in- questioning at the weekend. <laughs> he possibly is. The greatest player to come out of the Arsenal Academy. I can't think of any better. I mean, mm. I know that's going to wind up Arsenal fans, but uh, or sorry, it's going to wind up Tottenham fans. Well, it, it shouldn't. It should just wind up the Arsenal fans, yeah. really. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the whole um, oh, he's doing this for Arsenal. It's like, oh, uh, season season not over. It's turning into a pretty good season. Anyway, we better get into this, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. So every week we put uh, stuff in the red, stuff in the amber, stuff in the green. It's hard to find the amber sometimes. Mm. Nearly shoehorned Irish rugby into the amber this week, but we didn't do it. <laughs> I think I think we're stretching with the amber myself this week, even though it was my idea. But let's go. Yeah, we'll start with the uh, with the red, and it's, it was a definite red weekend on and off the pitch for Manchester City. The Premier League have declared war on Manchester City uh, out of the weekend. The biggest ever scandal: champions charged with over 100 rule breaches. And uh, well, I mean, if this goes the full shebang, City could be stripped of titles. They could be relegated. Um, they'll certainly could be could be fined a lot of money. Uh, City claiming uh, innocence on all of this. So this is a, a four-year investigation. One hundred breaches of financial rules uh, committed uh, allegedly between 2009 and 2018. And they've also accused the Premier League of uh, City not cooperating since the investigation started back in December of 2018. And of course, City denied it. They had a meeting on Monday with staff. Said that they expect this to go away. They were surprised 
by the charges and supported, quote, by a body of irrefutable evidence. So, uh, as I said, uh, the range of punishments, lads, here is, uh, is fairly wide. Uh, of course, we're putting them in the red uh, as well because of the, uh, the loss to, sit, uh, to Spurs of the weekend. But, really, these financial rule uh, irregularities or alleged ones are... Um, Pretty worrying for Man City fans and for the club, you'd imagine. They don't do anything in small measure. It had to be 115, right? Charges. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a yeah, lot. Excessive. It's systemic and ongoing is, is essentially what they're being charged with and it's been happening since the very start. Uh, you'll remember that they were charged with uh, by, your, by UEFA of uh, breaches a couple of years back and then they took the case all the way to the Court of Arbitration mm. for Sport and they won that and they viewed that as a victory for them and putting the matter to bed but obviously that was the European stuff the uh, local English stuff it turns out is um, equally important and they don't have recourse to the Court of Arbitration for Sport this time so it'll be the London courts that they've got to go to and again very interesting to see how that all plays out because uh, an independent panel is going to be appointed to judge the allegations that are made against City. We don't know when that's going to happen. The timing of this has all been accused of being politically motivated. Mm. Uh, City didn't hear about it in advance. Some journalists heard about it first, shockingly. Ooh. Imagine some people doing their jobs and um, breaking stories. That, that's how it works. That's how it's supposed to work. And uh, once the independent commission here they'll make their adjudication and then it could go to the um, the commercial courts in London. So this story could actually be 18 months. We, we could be two two years away before yeah. finding the end of this story and being able to firmly say these are the regulations that they breached here, here, here and here and these are the appropriate penalties. However, the stink around Manchester City now because of this, well, that is deep-seated and that's there was always a sense that something... There's something wrong about the amount of money that they're able to spend on everything all the time. Mm. Now, I, I have a similar sense that like, there's something wrong about all the money that's being spent at the moment generally uh, by other clubs, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But um, let's wait and see how they have disrupted the financial markets because, you know, oh, we're disruptors, we can do this. It's like, well, okay, if you can, if you can do it legally, show us how. You would, you would want the Premier League, if these charges are found or any of the charges are found to be uh, legitimate, they'd, you'd want them to come down hard because this can't happen in football. I mean, uh, Bonnie Rone wrote a great piece in The Guardian on this where he's talking about the fact that sport only works if it's on a level playing field, which seems an obvious thing to say. But if there are clubs that are uh, allegedly cheating in this way financially, I mean, it's, it's one of the easiest ways to, to breed success is to kind of skip the rules a little bit here and there. They're saying it's, it's going to put an asterisk beside the Aguero moment forever if, uh, if it's proven that at that point... They were uh, guilty of breaching the financial rules. Yeah, and like the, the rules are so vast and wide-ranging. For anyone who has, hasn't really tuned into this story, um, so some of the, the charges, so you're, you're talking about failing to provide accurate financial information over sponsorship revenue, which is some of it, not disclosing managers' true salary is other parts of it. Um, but Why would they not just have like, said what the salary was? So uh, essentially, because it's going to have an impact on their financial fair play, is that it? It's like, I assume there's knock-on effects. Uh, we, we've overspent on our manager. It's funny because in, in uh, American football, the amount you spend on the coaches doesn't actually compete, doesn't count against your cap. So you, again, that you can have an arms race there. And I don't know, maybe football, it was like an oversight. It's like, well, why don't we just allow us to pay the, the best managers whatever we want? Mm. Like, it's Because it's, it's linked to um, your... Uh, turnover and profit and profitability uh, over a period of time. Financial fair play was 
deliberately opaque so that the best clubs would be able to manipulate it originally anyway. Yeah. And um, and if Man City, it, it, if it turns out that Man City were unable of uh, unable to finesse that, then they just weren't paying attention. Now that's uh, you know that's bad enough. Yeah, uh, it's it like there's a lot of sympathy around this morning. I noticed for Manchester City from fans of other clubs, they really feel like that plucky underdog is just not getting a <laughs> fair crack of the whip. Yeah. Well, look, if if this goes as bad as it could possibly go for Man City, it could be a case of do you know those great clubs the the clubs that were in the Premier League once once upon a time and went all the way down... Preston North End? Well, yeah. The, yeah. the clubs that just went. went. Um, look, we, you've seen it happen in the North when clubs go into administration like Rangers, or uh, up in, in Scotland, like Rangers. Um, clubs can come back. Brilliant slip there, Shane. <laughs> the north, yeah, uh, the North of, of, of the UK, of course. Um, <laughs> but it, it, clubs can bounce back. But um, if, if these... If 115 rules are found to have been breached... I mean, City should be slapped very, very hard on the wrists. You make a good point, though. Will they? That's the thing. If we could go, as you say, it could take 18 months to two years, Chair, yeah. and we could go through all of this and go through the nitty-gritty of what it is they actually breached, and then the punishment and the sentence hand down mightn't even correlate. And it, like, It'll be kind of like what's happening with uh, Will Still at, at Ross. And okay, it could be a fine. They could be dock points. They could look at that as price of doing business. Look, as long as we can, it's just a cost we're going to have to incur. Here's the point. I think you make a good point that they they qualify for all those Champions Leagues. They've invested all this money in their youth system, which is now starting to produce footballers at a very high level. They they hoovered up all the best young talent, and they have now become sustainable in recent years, where they can sell players for high amounts of money who are uh, England internationals and, and um, top quality internationals around the world. And their net spend over the last couple of seasons hasn't been that much because obviously you inject the the billion into the club and you run it properly and then you, you, you've you used that as a competitive advantage. So it might just be the cost of doing business that they get stripped of some of these titles. But if they get relegated, it's very difficult to come back from that quickly. Mm. Like that, yeah. would be, that would be a, a, a proper punishment if, the, uh, if this is proven. Um, so I don't know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Will, will Pep Guardiola be happy being associated with this club in this moment? When these allegations are made, or will he come out fighting and say this is all nonsense? I've, I've been given access to all the the stuff that uh, we put forward for the European campaign uh, in the courts, in the court of arbitration for sport, and I've seen all that, and I trust the people, and I'm here for the long haul. Or you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, they could dig their heels in. They could be like, you know, even if they are found, if they were found guilty, it could be a. A Lance Armstrong job keeps the keep the keep the six Premier League trophies on the museum wall. Uh, that's it. And what if they win the Champions League this year? Does Pep walk away then and say, "Well, I, I've looked into it and I need to preserve my integrity, and I'm stepping away"? Um, or does he step away because you know his his there are no more mountains to climb? Yeah. Um, I think that the there's no actual um, stripping them will be very difficult. Yeah according to the bits that I've seen today and again you're kind of just trying to piece it together from the different reporting uh, they could there is a um, an uh, underexplained kind of flabby piece of language which allows you to do whatever is deemed necessary to maintain the reputation of um, the competition mm. so they could under that go well this this is so egregious that we're, we're taking back the, the trophies but very difficult to do I think it, the other thing is that um, 
there's no sympathy from the other Premier League clubs here. And so they all are looking at this going, if City are found to have breached the rules that we followed, well, then they have to pay. Mm-hmm. And that will be the bit where the court case is taken by City against whatever findings are. And then all the rest of the clubs will go, screw you, I'm sorry, but we would have qualified for Europe and we would have had those young players and we would have been the ones who were able to sell hundreds of millions of sponsorship mm. to um, you know those companies who were interested in uh, getting involved. So the, the mad part of it was that, as you said, Jerry, the surprise <laughs> that City got. Apparently, this was delivered. These legal papers were delivered by a courier on Monday to the Etihad. I imagine being that courier. I have no idea, possibly, what, uh, <laughs> what he's delivering. He is literally delivering legal papers to Manchester City over 115 alleged breaches. So. I'd have loved to have seen that. Do you reckon it happens like uh, in the US TV shows where it's like you've been served and they use a sort of weird chicanery to get the paper into their hand because that's how they serve them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I've got, I've got, I've got. I don't know, I don't know what you'd be giving to those people (laughs) at Man City who have literally everything that uh, money can buy in the world. (laughs) Uh, OTBAM brought to you live each morning by Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. What's next? Yeah, next we'll move on to uh, to Liverpool, who had a, a bad weekend, it has to be said. Um, they're having a lot of bad weekends recently, Jurgen Klopp. Getting increasingly tetchy, I've noticed, in, in the post-match press conferences, but you can kind of understand it, given the results. A 3-0 defeat to Wolves at the weekend. Uh, the first 12-15 minutes of that game were abysmal. As bad a performance early on in a match as you'll see from a team. Um, Liverpool haven't won a Premier League game yet in 2023. Uh, third time in a row Liverpool have lost away from home in the league. I mean, Jimmy Carragher was, was on, was on uh, the telly at the weekend after the game and kind of back in Jurgen Klopp saying there's no, there's no chance that anyone else comes in and, and takes over from him. And I don't think that narrative has moved that direction yet, that Klopp is not the man for the job. But certainly there's a lot of negativity around the team. Uh, Joel Matip was crap. Um, I mean, we, if you watch back a couple of the goals, it's not just the concession of three goals against Wolves. It's the manner of the goals. They were they were asleep for most of them. <laughs> like the defendant, it's like they just the the chasm in midfield that opened up for for some of the the goals. And there was chances for Wolves as well to maybe score more goals in that game. Um, you'd be concerned. Uh, Darwin Nunez not scoring goals, still not scoring goals. He had a few chances one on one at the weekend that that he couldn't take. Um, but I don't know, is Klopp in denial a little bit? Because some of the comments after the match, and I'm just reading some of them here in front of me, he's talking about it, you know the first 12 minutes, of course, being horrible. Um, but then he kind of backtracked a little bit and said, you know, later on in the game, the other 78 minutes were, were actually OK. Uh, the opening 25 minutes of the second half, he said, were brilliant. But, I mean, that's, that's kind of a bit of a stretch. Mo Salah isn't doing Mo Salah things. He's... That, that, that ex- expectation that he's going to bend the ball into the far left corner with that left foot just doesn't happen anymore. So all these little things that, that made Liverpool so great over previous seasons just aren't there. Um, and they look a little bit broken as a football club on the pitch at the moment. Tired maybe is the word. Well, maybe. You know, I think you're right in terms of um, Klopp maybe not seeing what's in front of him. And um, in terms of delusional managers, we'll get to Leeds in a sec. But um, <laughs> do we... Do we not give enough credit to the other teams that are actually putting performances against Liverpool? I think Wolves were quite good, even if the third goal was like shambolic defending. Mm. And the other teams they've lost to, like Brighton and Brentford, um, they've been quite good too, and like are resurgent. So I think we also have to give credit to the teams who are putting performances against them, yeah. even if it's against a team. They've hammered are, Liverpool, though. It hasn't been like a, you know, those games have all been one-sided. Mm. It's not like 
It doesn't feel like Liverpool are in these games. It's because of the drop-off in previous seasons. The level we expect of Liverpool... That was nine points chalked down at the start of the season. They'll win that, they'll win that, they'll win that. Yeah. And those nine points are the difference between them being in the hunt for Champions League place. Mm. Um, I, I, I do think this season is really interesting. Like, it's, it's possible we're going to have a proper title race. And this stuff around City, like, the players' agents are going to be going, uh, it, what happens if we get relegated, you know, off the field? Does my... Do all my... Do I... Do I get paid less? Mm. How does that work? I mean, if we if we get relegated in because performances on the field, I understand that I'm going to get paid less if I have to play a season in the championship to get them back up. But like, I didn't do anything wrong. I I fulfilled my part of it. So you can see how they might be weak. Arsenal might be Arsenal. We don't know after the performance at the weekend. <laughs> um, and so there are teams definitely improving. Is is my point? But at the same time, Liverpool are abject. Yeah. Like I'd love to hear from the Liverpool fans because. It was the, oh, Sadio Mane's energy and the creative tension he had with Mo Salah, that's gone. And then it was like, well, the midfield are no good because they haven't signed anybody, but they're all on big contracts. Mm. And now it's the defence are also shite. And like, literally, <laughs> everything is bad. Yeah. So at that point, you're going, it's, something else is happening here. Something is... What, what Liverpool fans? Let's be having you. Something pretty grim. Is, is there actually no universe in which uh, Liverpool get rid of Jurgen Klopp? Like... Is it, does he have so much credit in the bank that no? There's the only like you he win, has to step aside. You win. He has to want to go. Mm. Like and it hasn't reached that point. I don't think you know if if they if they honestly believe that they could sign Jude Bellingham in the summer. Uh, there's no way he's going to go. I mean, I think he thinks that he's got forwards who will at some point gel, and maybe they sell Salah in the summer, and that relationship is over, and they use a bit of that money to reinvest. I don't know, but like. Um, I think I think Sadio Mane was so so important, and sometimes you only know what you got till it's gone. Ah, but that's like one tiny part of it. Why is everybody else playing shite? Well, yeah, Do you um, know, like whatever about the press that Sadio Mane had and his goal scoring. Like, okay, you take that out of the team; it's very important. But at the same time, they still have players who, like Sadio Mane, missed some big games over the years because of injury. Missed mm. portions of the season because of injury. They were fine. They were still. They weren't incredible, but like. Even Trent Alexander-Arnold and, and Andy Robertson, who once bombed up and down defense, uh, wings, raiding teams, like they just look afraid to do it now. Afraid is probably actually the perfect word. There's just a little bit of fear in this Liverpool team at the moment. And when you start to lose games and you keep losing games one after the other, the fear just mounts and pressure mounts. I'm looking at the, 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 the top five lads for the next permanent Liverpool manager, the odds. You've got Ange Postecoglou in fifth, Julian Nagelsmann, as the uh, fourth favourite Stevie Gerrard 9-2 third favourite that'll be great I will lay you oh. any money Stevie Gerrard will not be <laughs> no not a chance whatever odds you want folks Tommy Tuchel is the second favourite of 4-1 and the 5-2 favourite is Pep Linders to be next permanent I don't think they're going to give Pep Linders the job to step up are they? I, I wouldn't have thought so but if they want continuity maybe that's that's the thinking from the bookies but can we just also have a minute for like Klopp's ridiculous I'm not going to answer that question I'm not going to I'm not going to yeah. talk to you and then also somebody else that's the bit where the whole press corps is supposed to stand up and walk out like yeah, solidarity yeah like yeah. there's definitely a bit where you're not just uh, that all made me feel uncomfortable but um like that's ridiculous behaviour. Just answer the question and go, yeah, you know, and explain to everybody else why you don't think this person is worthy of answering. What is it specifically that caused you to think, okay, you're not worthy of, even though you're here in a work capacity, I don't have to answer you? Because it's like, mm. I mean, whatever the story was that pissed you off, talk about that and address it, or counteract it, 
Uh, but I don't know. That's a bit where. So I don't think the, there's any world in which FSG say, "Okay, you're not our guy," because he's so spectacularly important and clearly one of the best managers over the last two decades. Now, maybe there's just a natural peak in his cycle, and his that peak is over, and he's got to go again, and maybe he'll do that somewhere else. But when that stuff starts happening, you can't pull the Alex Ferguson bully and ban people from your press conferences the way you used to just get away with it mm-hmm. you can't do that anymore because the world has moved on and it's those type of things that where it just becomes like oh, I don't really need this I don't need this I don't need this yeah so his press conferences have reached have reached uh, clop, epic proportions of clop yeah, clopisms yeah it's real Hurricane Nettie when Ned Flanders kind of loses the rag yeah. feels what's happened to our fallen angel <laughs> so okay. Liverpool, Liverpool fans won't be happy we'll move on to, to the Amber because another club uh, club's fan base who won't be happy this morning and plenty of them in Ireland or Leeds United uh, Ted Lasso I mean um, Jesse Marsh has been relieved of his duties I'm sure he is probably relieved to be out of the club um, given how things have gone recently for them but uh, seven games without a Premier League victory for Leeds United Jesse Marsh of course replacing Marcelo Bielsa it was never an easy job to have to take over February of last year uh, losing 1-0 to Nottingham Forest at the weekend and that was, that was all she wrote for Jesse Marsh at the club uh, the statement from the club Jesse joined the club in February 2022 and was instrumental in keeping the club in the Premier League in the final day of last season but I mean where, where do they turn to now Leeds United as a football club I, I often find when you, when you sack a, like it's February season ends in May like do you not just hold on hold firm things are going to come good relegation is probably in my opinion now a certainty for Leeds <laughs> like, I, think, I think they're going to go down then they can't be in the amber well, like at least play along with this bit. Why? Yeah. Okay, so so we'll put them in the amber because, because there's a hope that they might get a Sean Dyche bounce. Yeah, bounce. exactly. But they're not going to get Sean Dyche. Like, who do they go to? Seventeenth. Um, they're still they're still out of the relegation zone. I should say only on goal difference. Yeah, tied um, with Everton. Funnily enough, Carlos Corbin, obviously. Yeah, well, that's <clears> the most Premier League appointment ever. Uh, probably the most Leeds United appointment ever. Cameron, you're a Leeds United fan. Mm. Where do they go now? <laughs> I, where do they where, go? Where do now? they go from here? Um, I don't know. It's very hard. I see. The thing about Jesse that's really, really interesting is that the team weren't playing terribly. The narrative for the last couple of weeks is they've been playing quite well, and oh, they've been putting in good performances, but it's just not turning into results. Mm. I think a lot of that is the fact that the players have gotten like in better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For um for one of a better phrase. Um Patrick Bamford's back from injury and he's been struggling and he seems to be in fine form. We've got Nanto, um Rutter was a signing that uh that really shows promise, even though his Bundesliga record wouldn't have inspired anybody, but mm. this season at least. Um there's still a lot to be kind of positive about from the player front and it seems just that like they were tactically inept, and you can you watch them, and it doesn't look great. Their defense, they can't keep their shape at all. Yeah. Um. The Brentford game for me was the most frustrating game in recent memory because they just kept going through the middle in terms of their attack. Harrison kept getting in Nanto's way, and they just kept pushing, doing the definition of insanity, repeating that through the middle, which Brentford just flooded with their defenders. So there is a sort of lack of game smarts there. And, you know, you always think it's such a backhanded compliment when people see Marsh going and go, well, decent guy. Yeah. Really, really nice. Really fond of him. But it just hasn't it just hasn't worked. Um, and Corberan might bring back some of the BL's optimism and uh, that sort of attacking thrust that they need because apparently some of the players weren't 
very happy with how Jesse was approaching games tactically. But to answer your question, where do they go from here? Oh, I don't know. Well, there's a danger with Coburn too because you like you got to look at okay, great manager in the, in the championship. He's doing great things at West Brom, but look at Nathan Jones at Southampton. I mean, he was a great manager in the championship. But the Premier League is a different kettle of fish. It's tough. Was he great in the championship? I mean, ah, uh, was he okay? Anyway, okay. he says he's one of the best managers in Europe. Nathan Jones getting the the, the boot as well. Apparently, mm. uh, I was recruited to do certain things. Says Nathan Jones after his team got hammered again, six defeats in seven Premier League games. I was recruited to do certain things, and I don't see my team in there. I've pandered a little bit. Uh oh! If it's not your team, mate, whose team is it? Passing the book. So apparently, the board are like, "What, mm. Nathan? Sorry, pardon me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> okay, all right. Let's see. Get on against Wolves, and so they got Wolves, and then he's going to get fired after that. So um, yeah, it's coming to a bit weak, I think. It took a long time for them to start second managers this mm. season in the Premier League, but when they did. Yeah. Oh, they were up there with the best of them. Not in single spies. It's going to be a, a vintage year. Yeah, it's like the Dublin bus. So that's where Leeds. That's where Leeds belong, I think, in the amber. Because oh, fair enough. Yeah. You think they're they're in the red? You're they hoping that they might be somehow able to turn it around. I, I think. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. It's guaranteed they're going down. Mm. I still think there's loads of loads of people who could get sucked into that. Yeah. Well, their next two games they've got a double header against Manchester United, uh, starting tomorrow night. Should be great fun. That's going to be interesting. Is one of them a cup game though? Both league. Both league. Both Once league. rearranged. Right. So I think the Queen's passing led to all these. Yes, was that was that this season? Yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Oh my god! Apparently so. What a year! Yeah. Wow. Some year, lads. Some year. You forget there's a World Cup in the middle of it all too. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to the green. Uh, the positive stories. Irish rugby has to be in the green. Uh, yeah, we were kind of debating whether we put it in the amber. That would have been a bit unfair. Just because of the injuries. That's just because of the injuries. And, yeah. the and also, we just don't want to get too excited too early. The hype train is choo-choo. And we're like, oh my God, this is terrible. We're uh, so good. We're so bloody good. Can we just stop that crap? Because like, as an Irish nation, why, like, why are we so afraid? It's like anytime, history. History. Yeah, but anytime we talk about Evan Ferguson on this show or things that, that we're excited about, we get slaughtered. Oh, stop it. Stop getting so excited with yourselves. Ireland could win the World Cup. Let's be honest. Oh, Shane could. No, Shane. Shane, number one in the world. Shut your mouth out with soap and water. We're number one in the world. Some of the Welsh press are calling us all black esque. Um, (laughs) Like, we didn't even play well. They're just suckering you. That's all they're doing. They're setting you up for a fall. We beat Wales and Cardiff for the first time in 10 years by 24 points, and we didn't play that well. We're the best team in the world at the minute. This is. Like Ireland looked in the mirror today at Fortune's teeth marks still in its ass. But why are we so afraid of this? Get your stick down. Like I heard Gordon Darcy after the match, and he made a very good point. So Ashton was talking to Paul O'Connell last week about the fact that his great Irish team and Darcy's and Rogers and all that 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 era, they didn't really lean into the whole "we're really good at the minute" thing. Whereas this Irish team, this is a coach Andy Farrell who has said he's met with Alex Ferguson and Mikel Arteta and people who breed success and. Uh, continue success they don't just get to the top but they want to stay there and be be mentally okay with being the best team in the world or being uh, constantly Arteta great Arteta hasn't done it yet no Arteta hasn't yeah, done it yet but he could win the Premier League and he's yeah. worked under Pep and he's had success yeah. but that I think is the difference in this Irish team and Irish uh, great Irish teams of, of times gone by that won Grand Slams I hope you're they, right they're okay with being at the top I think I think Joe Schmidt's uh, team were okay at being at the top I, I definitely remember pre-World Cup the Ireland team in 07 were like oh we're going there to win it and then yeah, but the same weaknesses came up in World Cups they were a great team under Schmidt but the same weaknesses came up in the World Cup they can't get past that last day of phase 
I, I think if Ireland get past the last Have you seen our group of death? Yeah. All of a they're, sudden Scotland aren't shy the, anymore. Yeah. They're all in the top five. But we shouldn't fear anyone. <laughs> we don't <laughs> fear them, but like... That's the, this is the point now. The way Ireland are playing, just don't just have you no problem You just jinxed it. Now your fault. Officially, but it's your fault. Though, I'm not a superstitious person anyway, so that's all a load of crap, but <laughs> just let us believe. We could win the World Cup. We could. Yeah. There's no reason not to believe uh, anything. Shane, Shane is... Uh, th- th- sorry, people say in the comments I'm jinxing. I'm jinxing nothing. Sorry, whether or not we win the World Cup is not to do with me sitting here in a corner in a studio in Dublin uh, saying they're going to win the World Cup the viewers, in February. Shane is just consciously... He's conscious of the fact that he tipped Ireland to win the World Cup in the Crystal Ball. Did I actually, yeah? You did. Okay, there you go. Um, Stand so, by. <laughs> yeah. We thrashed Wales in Cardiff. Yeah, but Let's it's shite Wales. Yeah, it's shite Wales. In, in the first half, they were it was they were a bunch of allies. In the second half, they started to remember what they were supposed to do. Now, I definitely think we took our foot off completely. A little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that was. I um, think we beat the French this weekend, and then then the hype train really falls uh, out in the station. Well, let's see. Yeah. Let's see. Quinny's standing by. We'll talk to him in a minute about that. Uh, if you're watching this on podcast, then make sure you subscribe to the LTV Rugby feed to hear his thoughts. What else is in the green? Yeah, last one in the green. Um, we're going to lump them in together. They, they never really get paired together, these two, but they're, they're friends down in Munster. Friends is a stretch. Uh, Cork and Kerry um, both had a great weekend in terms of Gaelic games. Imagine Cork first, uh, the hurlers, of course, with a one-point win over Limerick. Uh, I mean, talking about hype trains, it's early in the season. Well, they were double scores down at half-time. Yeah. That's, that's why we're talking about that. Attitude. Proper attitude yeah. from, from Cork, uh, yeah. you have to say. And then the footballers, Jared. I don't know if you want to really touch on this, but they were very, very dominant in the win over Kildare Division 2. In Newbridge. In Newbridge as well. That um, kind of hockey Kildare. Yeah, and James Adonahue who was on the football pod with, with Tommy and uh, Paddy recently enough at the start of the season saying Cork were, the, were his surprise package for the season. Yeah. Kind of see. It dropped early this week, so you can hear... Um, I'm sure he's like, the cat that got the cream this week. I was like, well, it's just a week early. Yeah, look how right I was. Um, but, I mean, if you're a Cork fan, in, in terms of Gaelic Games, generally speaking, this morning... Seven points for Kildare at home is not is not a great return, is it? We're uh, talking about Cork here, Shane. Sorry, we're talking about Cork. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll forget about them. One six to no score up in the twenty eighth minute. They went on to score two fourteen in that match. It was a dominant game. You can't read too much into these games massively in Division Two because they're so, it's so tight that like there's going to be nothing between the team that wins Division Two and the teams that get relegated points wise. Like, you do want to be hockey up. in the opposition though. That's a good that's a good yeah. scenario for them to be in. And we've been talking about the Red Storm rising for the last decade, really, since uh, they started to produce all those great underage mm. teams. So there's a slew of talent. It looks like everything off the pitch is is working for both the hurlers and the footballers. They've got a really progressive county board. They know exactly what they're doing. Everybody is aligned, and um, I think you know. Fear the fear the red menace that is Cork. They're yeah. coming for you. I can 100%. hear Boohig purring <laughs> from wherever he is in the world right now. Yeah, he's in somewhere, I think. Uh, the the um, the fact that like Brian Cleary would be very very uh, happy with his Cork footballers conceding three against Meath last week and to concede none against Kildare. This clearly, I mean, you can't sort defensive frailties out in, in one week, but. Clearly, not conceding goals is a very good way to win a match in Gaelic football. We're burying the lead here, though. Yeah, uh, Kerry. It turns out Kerry have a new Vanderkind. David Clifford, your time here as the uh, greatest footballer in the Kerry full forward line was uh, brief, dynamic and short, but you burned like a Roman candle. And now it turns out there's somebody else. Yeah, he was in the crowd watching David Clifford, mouth agape, probably just because he was eating a twister or some other lollipop in the stands. But not Donald Down O'Sullivan. Um, this is a man... Kerry fans are very, very excited about. I don't think we're overstating it. I think like this is, as you said, Jar Wunderkind, there is something to this lad. Uh, at club level, I mean, there was a club game earlier in the year. Uh, he plays for Kilgarvan. He's the first ever, and this is a proud moment, I think the club tweeted a lovely tweet at the weekend, first ever Kilgarvan footballer to play, to line out for, for Kerry's senior team. Um, he scored 2.13 for his club 
in a, in a game in which they scored 215 in the novice final uh, not, not so long ago. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, and Dara Roach is another as well in that full forward line who I've been very impressed with. I, saw, I watched him against Donegal last week, even though they lost. He was brilliant. Uh, and similarly against Monaghan, he just looked, he just looked bigger than everyone. You know, but Donal is Donal is young. He has a lot. He has got time on his hands. This is their Conor Callaghan moment. This is. This is. I mean, if 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 you're all Ireland champions, how do you push on the next year? Well, you find one or two quality players, and Kerry have done that. Like at this stage, Kerry are 100 percent the favourites for the All Ireland. Like there's no doubt about it. The hype train. After the first week, we were open Donegal, and it's like, ah, oh, this is. But it was just the just the first game back. Yeah, first game at home, they're like, oh no, we've got we've got new superstars here. Don't worry about it. Yeah, with Donald uh, Donald Down scored one three against Monaghan. Now, albeit the Monaghan defence, it's a young Monaghan team at the moment. They, they opened up a couple of times for them, and um, uh, Paddy Clifford came off the bench to score a goal. One of the, it was a great goal, but I mean the defence opened up for him. He ran most of the length of the pitch to finish it off. But um, yeah, Donald Down, he's very impressive talker. I thought as well. He spoke. Uh, on TG Carr after the game and had his, has his head screwed on for a young lad playing you, his first match you would need to if you're going to if you're going to try and force your way into the Kerry full forward line uh, you know after they've just um, won the All-Ireland you'd need to be fairly screwed on otherwise 100% you know, just get burned out but like um, we will talk about this in more detail a little bit later on with Anthony Moyles but keep an eye on, on Donald Down and um, they're very excited about it Oh. So Kerry in the green, Kerry, well deserved. Cementing green. their place at the top of the uh, power rankings as well. We'll get to that a little bit later on in the week. It's uh, nine minutes past eight. That is this week's episode of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. Up next, Alan Quinlan. OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette. 